Welcome, hello, bienvenidos, hola, ni hao, konnichiwa, to underrated favorites, movies that you might have missed. My name is Roost and that is Dominique. Uh, welcome Hi. to this podcast uh, where we take a look at movies you might have missed, not necessarily cult movies, but more so movies at least 10 years or older that we think are slept on or, you know, need some re-examination. Uh, we decide whether we want to give them their flowers or their well-deserved roasting. Uh, if you are unfamiliar with the film that we're discussing, we'll do a brief spoiler-free rundown before we dive in and spill all the messy good bits. So today is a very special film. This is a film we were very excited for. Uh, Dominique, why don't you go ahead and tell them what the film is? Today's film is The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. (laughs) Yes. So quick breakdown of the film. Uh, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is a 2003 action fantasy steampunk Diesel punk superhero movie. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of things. Um, you know, and if you've seen it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But um, it was written by uh, Alan Moore, who is of Watchmen, V for Vendetta, and Constantine fame, and Kevin O'Neill. You know, shout out to him, RIP. He actually passed away last year. Mm-hmm. Him and Alan actually wrote the comic book that this is based on and did the writing for the movie. So that's cool and, and semi-unusual to see mm-hmm. them keep this, the exact same writers. And so it was directed by Stephen Norrington, who um, also directed the 1998's Blade, which is you noted know, for being one of the first action super movie uh, one of you know Marvel's turn of the century, yeah. Uh, super movie, superhero movies, um, as well as uh, 1994's Death Machine. This actually was his last movie that he ever directed. Who did that? Because um, that man can make a film. Starring Sean Connery. The late great will slap you if he wants to. Of Sean Connery fame. That's right. So, um, with something interesting, just to start off, that this movie is based on. A comic, which is written by the same writers and ran from 1999 to 2019. Mm-hmm. But it was based on a 1960s British heist action comedy movie, which was based on a 1958 Pulp Fiction novel. It's so this is like a movie based on a comic based on a movie. Like So I think that's cool. And I think that'll feed in some of the things that we talk about totally. uh, later on. But it's a team of extraordinary figures culled from great adventure literature, including adventurer Alan Quartermain, vampirist Mina Harker from Dracula, uh, the Invisible Man, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, an American Secret Service agent who happens to be named Tom Sawyer, uh, Captain Nemo and Dorian Gray. Um, they are called to stop a villain intent on turning the nations of the world against one another. Um, and then just some details about the movie. The film had a budget of $78 million and made about $179.3 million 
at the U.S. box office. Mm-hmm. So, so it made um, more than its money back. Yeah, like a good amount more, but it still counted as a but, uh, uh, time to question mark. Yeah, because we got to <laughs> highlight this next point because what's uh, its rank? It's actually currently on IMDb rated 5.8, and it only has a 17% on Rotten Tomatoes. So that's kind of the reason it's here in our conversation today. This is our wheelhouse movie. Even though it made the money. like, And so we're going to get into it more. Uh, Roos, do you want to take them through our ranking system and tell us where it falls for you? Yeah, totally. So before we get into the film, uh, we like to rank our films, and our ranking system is basically this. at the top, we have underrated favorite where this movie is just elite and no, not enough people have seen it. It's it's messed up. Give this film its flowers. Hurry up and go watch it. Uh, the second is good but slept on where the movie is solid uh, with a, maybe a couple issues here and there. And there's reasons as to why people didn't can, uh, catch it when it came out. Uh, after that, we got historically mid where the film didn't catch fire if there's probably better movies out at the time but it is worth your attention if it's on in the background you're like oh it's that movie i love that movie uh then after that we have a good bad movie the uh infamous or famous depending on where you land on the spectrum good bad movie where this movie is bad for the most part uh but for the true believers it just rings off and it makes them feel like awesome for watching it and they love to talk about it uh and then lastly we have the certified flop where this movie is all and out bad. Uh, and that's probably why no one ever talks about it or watches it, uh, except for maybe the two or three people who really love it. <laughs> so going to your ranking, Dominique, uh, where do you put this film in terms of underrated favorites spectrum? So um, I'm actually so I in my heart. In my heart of hearts, I feel like this movie is an underrated favorite. But re-watching it today, I feel like I'm going to have to put it in that. I'm going to have to like drop it down just one notch and put it at that good but slept on. And like I kind of get why. Like mm-hmm. just we'll for, get into it. for common people like yeah. for everyone you know uh for me you know like i said heart of hearts no, underrated absolutely but underrated favorite definitely favorite 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 but yeah that's I, for you i agree no like in my heart it is an underrated favorite this is a we can talk about this now this was the film we were going to kick off the podcast with, with episode one, because we do genuinely love this film. Like it's a, it has a place in our hearts and not just us, like a lot of people I know kind of really love this film, but I also know a lot more people who hate this film. See, or, I don't know anyone that hates no, the film, <laughs> but I'm going to say I do know a lot of people who haven't heard of it and, or people who like weren't impressed, like don't hate it, mm-hmm. but like. Don't care to rewatch it totally at any time. So in my heart of hearts, it's an underrated favorite for me. But if I have to be honest, anyone who's listening and and needs to needs that honest critique, is it gonna be like lower than mine though? Where's it fall? Where's it? I think it's a good bad movie. What? 
Yeah, but I still think okay. good bad movies are important and they deserve a, a seat at the table. And it's because this is this is a bad movie. Like, there's a reason why it has a 17 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, and, and though I disagree with it wholeheartedly, we're gonna have to get into we it. We will. We're gonna get into it, y'all. So, um, it's yeah. we're gonna we're gonna talk more about it. But right now, we're gonna switch gears. If you haven't seen it yet, it is again on Hulu right now. You can also rent it, buy it on Amazon. On Prime or Google TV slash YouTube movies. Um, so go ahead and pause our podcast. Come back later. Go watch it and come right back so you can uh, go through what we're about to talk about right with us, okay? But let's rewind and pause and talk about it further. And if you don't care if we spoil it, guess what? <clears throat> you can just stick around. That too. <laughs> uh, so let's just dive in i know we like to kick off talking about the major themes of this film but let, first let's talk about why we love this film uh you love to read i love to read and there's to me there's something romantic about a superhero movie full of literary figures sort of reimagined and retold and i think that's awesome and so there is that like sixth grade book nerd in me who's like that's me i know Harker. that person yeah, i know that person exactly. i know that person as or like i know reference like as you're going through and because that's so what many this, references. this movie does there's so many references every five seconds they're name dropping for no reason some literary it, figure it does it move along the plot at all it's a hit or miss because it may have nothing to do with anything but sean connery is gonna mention that <laughs> someone went around the world <laughs> like it's just In like it's a days, random yeah. well it took me so long to get here you know not as quick as phillips there you know is that your sean connery <laughs> yes okay we were to, we were, i was wondering if you were gonna do your sean connery impression uh i, I mind my pop out at some point um, but I think that's the number one reason why this works. But also, and we kind of will touch on this a little bit later as to what I think messed the movie up. But this movie is almost verbatim, uh, like what the Avengers later ripped off. Like this is almost well, like the I plot don't even of think Avengers. I would say that it's, it's a, a, team a of rip off. Exactly. But I think it's it's one of the early like assembly cast. Yeah, yeah. No, like, for sure. Like uh, that hadn't cast, really happened. Characters. Yeah, yeah. Like, it wasn't like the Fantastic Four. It wasn't like the X-Men movie that came out like two or three years ago. Yeah, up it was like that. these are all important people, standalone characters, deserve to be standalone in their all right. And then like figuring out their power that like all of the things that were cute about why Watching Avengers, Iron Man, all those, yeah. Be with Captain America, be, with, be Thor. with like Thor, like having to watch them build that. We got to see that too, and then like watching them question each other and stuff like like it's just you can't trust that guy because he's the Invisible Man. <laughs> yeah, like no, I just think it's it. It was so like fun to watch that while very much enjoying the aesthetic like and that's why I think it's in like they point out it's steampunk slash diesel punk and it is like and it keeps that aesthetic like aesthetic mm -hmm. like through the movie right. so and I, so I, do you even think there's a major theme in this movie or can we just jump right past that because I I would say this I think there's a major theme of this movie I think that it's not like completely well thought through because it's a superhero movie but i think it's in the same way like we mm -hmm. saw guardians of the galaxy 3 there's a theme to it right um but it's lost kind of and you know children it's not overbearing to the point where like children can watch it too i feel like a part of this a theme of this movie is be on the lookout for uh Fascist. the dangers 
of fascism, uh, the dangers of extreme nationalism, the dangers of capitalism. Like these are hit on in this movie. And I think they're I agree with you. I actually because anything that Alan Moore writes, I think, is going to say that because all hail Alan Moore. Um, (laughs) But shout out. We rock with you. Don't ever want to be caught in the woods with you, though, because you are kind of creepy. Yes, he is. But we respect you all day, all day. And his beliefs about nearly everything uh, that doesn't involve runes or sacrifices. But because he's yeah, big druid energy from Alan Moore. Um, but so, but I think they kind of hide or mask or try to not be preachy in the film. Yeah, it's not preachy. It doesn't beat you down. Right. It still lets you, you know, have fun. Zooming through the streets with Tom Sawyer, who needs to get in front of the yeah. collapsing buildings, and a lot of things are happening. Yeah. Like it still lets you have those moments. Oh yeah, while still you know threading through, you know. Uh, fuck the empire, you know, God bless the queen, but that's about as patriotic as it gets around here. Like, I love that. You right. Know? And, a balance and there. unlike the Avengers movies, which and the Captain America movies, which get sort of labeled as potential like military propaganda or USA again yes. and freedom again. This movie is not that. And, and rightfully so. It's like a V for Vendetta isn't necessarily about that. It's like true patriotism is questioning fascism and as it rises and sort of the answer is creative people and the imagination of, of, of individuals to sort of think bigger ideas. So shout out teacher friends. Get yeah. your kids to watch uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, absolutely. If you're, if you're a <laughs> and teacher And get them all. to read the banned books that these characters are in. So Totally. Um, one of the things, what doesn't work for you in this film? So what doesn't work for me is it goes back to my dual rating moment mm-hmm. is because it's exactly what we just talked about. Definitely works for me. What doesn't work for this movie with the general public, I believe, is that it is it can feel bogged down by all of these references. Yes, we love it, but that's because we're dorks and we read and we know these references like and we catch them. But like there's and it goes back to even more with me mentioning that it's a movie based on a, a comic, based on a movie, based on a book like it's so convoluted and trying to give respect to everything mm-hmm. like that. And it's that also you don't know where push, you're at sometimes. You yeah. In the like plot. you get lost in trying to reference everything. This is also like, because I mentioned the comic series went on from 1999 to 2019. Um, they are pushing the whole first arc of the comic book series into this mm-hmm. one movie. Like, right. so it's just a lot going on. Um, sometimes with the, um, something that happens with like assembly characters, movies like this is you, um, you just don't care about certain one of them. Sure. You, you choose your favorites. And so there's those moments. This movie does make sure to give each of these characters like their moment. And um, if you don't know like where this character is from, you may like simply just not care. Like I know there's people who like, like even people who like the movie don't like the part where it veers off and like cares about uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde more just because like, they realize they don't like, yeah, they heard of it, but they right. don't fucking care about like no. what's going on with him and his like psychosis and fat battling himself. Like they don't give a fuck about that. They're like, yo, 
weren't there bombs like what can we get back to the bombs like (laughs) so i think that's really what doesn't work again i love it and i don't give a fuck about it i'll get lost i'll get lost right with you maybe it's the adhd it was like Mm -hmm. yes we rabbit hole i'm jumping down it following that along in a movie probably not as good (laughs) but for you what what was uh what bumps it all the way down to a good bad movie for you so i completely agree whereas the avengers had i guess the uh, foresight or fortune to have an iron man movie a thor movie a captain america movie where you had time to really grow with these characters to your point they're just all kind of slammed in there and they try to do their best to give respect to all of the characters Mm -hmm. and it does get very convoluted and there's times where you're watching it where like even as i'm watching it like straight through i'm wondering if like the like where we're at in the plot I don't, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like, okay, wait, is this, do we, so we don't like the Invisible Man now? Wait, what part was it? Why are we in, in like Mongolia? Okay, that's right. For this reason. Um, so there's that. The other thing that I think doesn't work is there, the timing that it came out, it was a sort of mad dash for superhero movies because X-Men had come out like 99 or 2000. And then you had this boom. And here, just for notes, in 2003 alone, these were the films that came out with uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. X2, which was awesome. The Hulk movie, which, um, I don't know, maybe an underrated favorite. I don't know. Underworld Vampires versus uh, Werewolves Anyway, which was awesome. Kill Bill, Matrix 2, Pirates of the Caribbean, and The Rundown. And Identity, another movie that's going to be on our, that we're going to talk about eventually. Um, And... Willard, maybe. I know you don't really care about Willard. <laughs> well, we're sticking to the superhero <laughs> stuff. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. true, yeah. But you no, know, like, so there was just, um, and, and, there was and a, like, but to there your was, point, there was, uh, there, there was a stacked year. There was a stacked year. And Resident Evil had come out the year before, and so there was just this push to, like, grab intellectual and, property. Oh, and, I'm sorry, no, just go gonna ahead. pause. If we're talking about 2003, we gotta mention that Lord of the Rings Return of the King came out. No, yeah. So, like... It was stacked. It was completely stacked, and then there was this sort of cool fledgling idea fledgling intellectual property that had some meat on the bones that could have gone further and was getting jump started with i would argue this might be one of sean connery's last movies that mattered um and yeah no yeah and i mean like that's so one of the things that's funny mentioning sean connery in this movie is that like he literally says openly that like or said openly that like yeah i read the script and i was like yeah that's kind of out there but you know if i did valcor shit i'm gonna do this too like (laughs) so like he was in highlander too like he can't complain about like his movie selection process he was like yeah he's he's with the shits it sounds fun let's do it yeah just tell me where to like scowl at the camera and be very scottish and he'll he'll deliver every time that's what he does yeah um so it was a murderer's row of, of movies that year and then also i this is kind of segues into our next topic which is what do i think could help this film i think the cast sean connery awesome uh robert thompson townsend uh Stuart Townsend. Stuart awesome, Townsend. Awesome, which we got to give some time and space we gotta, for. Like, we're just going to jump into, into like, a, a pause and talk about the cast. Uh, so Stuart Townsend as Dorian Gray. 
you know, I think maybe the first famous bisexual. I'm gonna throw that. I think in this film, I yeah. think Dorian Gray. Well, no, I was thinking Dorian. Oh, Gray. Dorian Gray historically. I think, oh, yeah, no, in literature, totally I think he's like the first like big bisexual. So shout yeah. out to Dorian Gray and Oscar. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and then Shane we, West from uh, A Walk to a Remember fame. If anyone's ever seen that movie, yes, Mandy he played, Moore coming out fire. <laughs> What up? That's another podcast, another podcast. But Shane West was playing our American gunslinger, Tom, Tom Sawyer. Sawyer. Um, and then we had Jason Fleming. Yes. As, uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, yes. who was big, who at the time was on the rise and people still love. He still acts. He was uh, big in the, those early Guy Ritchie films. Uh, like Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels and Snatch. And then we had Peter Jen- Jensen playing uh, Mina Harker, who was really big at the time with La Femme Nikita fame. Here's my point about the cast. I genuinely feel like if you replace like Peter Wilson with... Um, Someone that they would have cared about more? <laughs> I'm more... Mila Jovovich from Resident Evil... I think you could have got her in this film, but she was already tied to Resident Evil. I think her in that role, it just amplifies it so much more. I feel like this movie was sort of cobbled together where they're like, we need names of people who are kind of on the rise, kind of in our budget. And I'm I'm pretty positive Sean Connery got the fattest check out of everyone. He probably got paid more than the director to be in this movie. So uh, I think there's a reshuffling of this cast that could potentially and make it better. I think this better. also, like, as much as I love this movie, I think this movie may have been, like, a career killer for, like, all of these actors. I completely like, agree. No, I completely agree. <laughs> yeah, like, like I said, it was the director's last movie as yeah. well. So. Jason <laughs> Fleming is the only guy who got out of this film unscathed. And it was because yeah. he rocked it as the Hulk. I, like, I know it's Dr. <laughs> Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, but no, he's Bruce Banner, the Hulk. Um... Also, and 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 so I think there's there's a way that that if this cat if this movie had maybe come out like a year sooner or two years sooner, they could have gotten a better cast uh, uh, that, that that maybe would have drawn people in a little bit more. Um, the other thing that I think really hurt this movie is age wise. I don't necessarily know who this movie's for because it's like it's for like Ooh. twenty twenty to like thirty year old book comic book nerds. But it's not but, for kids. But it's not for kids, but it feels like it's for kids as long as your kid won't notice all of the sex. All the horniness. Like, there's not sex in the movie. I'm going to say that. Everyone but wants to bang Mina Harker. Every, and Dorian Gray. And Sean Connery. And Sean Connery, yeah. Like... It's just it's a it's one of those walking sex movies where there's just all of this sexual tension and like I don't know if and it, it doesn't was the need actors. to be there. It's like, like yeah, they're it on a mission to stop a world war. Like so, it's like that's what I was saying. But, but they I don't know if it was the actors just being very attracted to each other or if that's what they were like. You know what? I'm playing Dorian Gray. He wants to fuck everything. That's what I just need to elude, like exude. Yeah. Like and I I don't know if it was. That or I don't know if it was accidental, but that definitely came across in the movie and did not need to be there. Yeah. So you know something a little my, that stops it being from kind of for being kids. for kids. Yeah, my favorite part of the whole movie is while everyone wants to have sex with Mina Harker, whether it's Tom Sawyer, whether it's Dr. Jekyll, who is going through some weird impotent, like, oh my God, she'll never get with a guy like me kind of thing. 
Uh, it's not she, impotent. He's having well, like he psychotic has, yeah. breaks. That's he, his character. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> but either way, he, he's like, he, hard. He, yes. <laughs> he's, uh, they didn't have Valium or something back then to help him get through this. But when Sean Connery comes across her, he doesn't crush on her. He He's more worried about well, her actually, crushing on him. And he's like, look, lady, so actually, I've lost I do a lot need to of stop lovers. And I need to put like a nerd moment in here. Mm-hmm. I believe that was added in there because they actually do get together in the comics. That is one of the arcs. And so I think they were specifically inserting that to be like, hey, well, that's not happening. That's that not is happening. hilarious. Because For, there were like five fans who actually yeah. knew about them before this movie. Exactly they were like, five whoa, fans. we have to like curb no, you here. Yeah. But like for everyone else who didn't know that, it just looks like Sean Connery like hates women, is flaming her for no reason. It's Sean Connery like, being Sean Connery. That's what it is. You know, he doesn't hate women. No, no, he doesn't hate women. But he, I, not, to the day he died, I'm pretty sure he thought every woman wanted to fuck him because that's how he that's, rolled. Okay, was he and wrong? No, he wasn't <laughs> necessarily wrong. No, okay, yeah, yeah. pause. Can I? I tell a side story about Sean Connery. Yeah. So my theater teacher in high school um, was she was also the debate teacher. I wasn't in theater, but she like I was in academic decathlon. Um, and yeah, so I heard about that it. Theater nerds. It was an academic decathlon. <laughs> But it was the theater nerds that were also in Academic Decathlon that were talking about they had a dress rehearsal when Sean Connery happened to come up. She was putting makeup on one of the guy's faces and started stroking his nose while saying the things I would do to that man. Sean had the juice, bro. (laughs) Like took her to a whole other place in the middle of high school. Took her to the Scottish Highlands. Goddamn right. (laughs) And that's just you know Sean Connery's vibe. That is history. That's right. Speaking of chemistry, uh, what were some of the things that didn't work? I know we you said that it worked. I think except for the very end, but there are some other the VX effects because you haven't said the word yet. No, yeah. So I'm, I'm talking up. about these special effects. I did say one thing I noted on while we were watching the movie is that, um, and I think it may have just been the time, because um, I feel like there's a lot of good animation of the time. The special effects of the um, I believe it's called the Nautilus, yep, um, which is Captain Nemo's ship for people who. Don't happen to know and haven't seen it. Or read the book. Um, or like you haven't read the book or seen the movie. Um, it's his ship and it's a beautiful ship, but it has different scenes where they're like out in the ocean. And, and it looks it's great. like clearly like we know that it's special effects. Right. But like it just blends seamlessly with when they bring it back to being the practical effects with close up shots of them going in and out of the vehicle. Like it just it's so beautiful. And then like the special effects on the car, like mm. there's the practical effects where you can tell that they like put shit on a car to make it look cool as shit. Like, but it's still like, it looks cool as that shit. That car was badass. Like, I, it's up there with the Batmobile from like It's Batman one of the sexiest cars ever. It's got Ganesh five. along the front, like yeah. uh, the elephant headed God for people who don't know that either. But yeah, like it is beautiful. Academic decathlon over and here. <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but yeah, like it is a beautiful and like I said, like just the the worst <laughs> effects is um we're in the spoilers part, so it doesn't really matter. Uh Dorian when dying. Dorian Dorian's death scene and where he watched him melt and watch his painting like Descent, oh, de-age, yeah. like and go back to like the time when he was 
you know, painted. Um, that is the worst. It's the worst. Like even then, now, before 2003, like it is like, t- I guess they used up all of their money on the car and, and the blowing boat. Up Venice. <laughs> like, I know there was definitely like they had a, the director had to make decisions money. with the V. Yeah. The and they were just like, well, you know, they're committed if they get all the way to the end of the movie. Yeah. So it's OK if we like fuck up this scene. Yeah. We're going to keep everything else looking cool, you know, <laughs> totally. Um, but so, that, that was probably the only part that I think was kind of fake as fuck kind of going through. I actually did think the actors did have good chemistry, uh, they did. R- surprisingly. And I think like, that's well, what kind of keeps the movie censored. Tom Sawyer and Sean Connery have like grandpa, grandson energy. They do. Or like dad and adopted son yeah. sort of. And cause that's part of the storyline. I think it actually fits in there. Yeah. Um, I think and then, Skinner has that good wild card energy where you're like, oh, this guy's dangerous. Yeah, it's actually a question like, should they trust him? Like, based on not just backstory, but his actual acting in the moments, too. So that's awesome. And um, Peter Jensen did a good job of sort of being the, the, the bombshell of the team a little bit. Uh, yeah, you like, know. and then even her reveal of her powers because they don't know like who she is at that first. That she's a vampire who'll rip your head off. Yeah, so like, and I think, and then like, her like, oh, I gotta be ladylike. Let me wipe my face real quick. Yeah. Like it, it's still like it felt good. It didn't feel corny. Right. So that um, was awesome. But um, I also think this film does kind of really veer into problematicville in some parts. Um, I'm gonna say this is probably a movie where you can play it in 2023 as like what not to do to like get charged with sexual harassment in the workplace. Oh hell! Because yeah. everybody is sexually harassing Mina Harker like on the job. And like, granted, yeah, that she gives some play. That goes back to that sexual energy we were talking about. Yeah. It was like, was it the actors? Was it the characters? We don't know, but it definitely bled through and had nothing to do with the storyline. At all. Like the Invisible Man like cups her ass at one point and she's like, oh my God. And he's like, oh yeah. And like is proud of it. Yeah. Couldn't do that in 2023. Um, and then you also have sort of uh, Captain Nemo's uh, ship of, of like uh, individuals uh, they're sort of racially ambiguous, but they're all claimed to be Indian. And it was just there was there well, was a okay, couple. Points. I want to say that Captain Nemo, who is yeah, an yeah. Indian prince, actually was an Indian person. Yes. So no, that was cool. That, what I'm like, saying though is there was all a, the supporting cast. Though it's kind of like you know Titanic. You know they just all happen to be Mexicans, but it didn't matter because they're background characters. Right. Like, it doesn't matter. They're supposed to be Irish. Right. You know. And there was just like, a couple points kinda, in, in the film where I felt like uh, the villains were just kind of really highlighting the fact that they're Indian, just a little hard. I mean, like, oh, it's the Indian. And you're like, oh, that was the same kind of. Well, I mean, like, there's no random Indians in Mongolia. So they know if there's Indians, it means that Captain okay, Nemo's go ahead. here. Justify it. Yeah. That's, that's what. That's what. Doc... Storyline. Yeah, okay. That's what Morty already wants you to do. Okay. And that's how fascism rises. Go right on ahead. Um, but beyond that. So, yeah, there was definitely mm-hmm. like uh, women. Uh, not kind of on the short end of the the totem pole. There was barely any women. Um, there was literally. I think. Dang, was Mina really the only like? She was the only main character. Like, she may have been the only woman 
we really that had speaking lines in this movie. So there's that. I will say that she's in the league. She is the I mean, but, you know, League of Extraordinary Gentle People would have been too far ahead of their right. time, you know? So But and then there's also the the casual sexism when they when she's on the team, they're like, Oh, I hope uh her she doesn't husband's get kidnapped. Coming soon. Yeah, like yeah. Well that goes back to Sean Connery but, like flaming her, like cause yeah. it was like, I hope you're here Don't standing fall in, in love her with husband's me, damsel. Yeah, so and it's, oh, I know that they would save you, and it's like, and but then she has her like badass moment with the oh, and then, no, and then he gets happy. Error. He's like, yo, send the vampire chick out there. Go, yeah, she shop. earns her place, but should she have had to earn it? Yeah, that's where we talk about that. As far as other types of diversity, like turn in the century, London can't really, you know, they yeah. don't really. I mean, there was still a lot of bad happening in the world at that time. Yeah, I think I. I will say that is the diversity score a little low? Yes. But is it a story about the... I think them focusing on literary characters is to their benefit because all of the literary characters really up to that point were white. And, like, these are British, like, people making their superhero movies. So, like, I get it. It's a bunch of British white guys. And then, like, oh... One white girl. So, like, I get it. For what it is, I think it, it fits. It's fine. Um, I don't think it hurts anything in the movie. And even if they were to remake it, I don't think they would need to um, change that about it. Um, what would what do you say for a remake? What Does it need to be remade? And what would you change? If I was... I don't think you need to remake this movie because I think we live in the IP age where like now you have like all these, you know, the Lord of the Rings spinoffs, the, you know, uh, you have these Game of Thrones spinoffs. Uh, you're you're you have this very convoluted. It's the age of the unoriginal. Yeah. Um, so bringing this back as a remake, I think similar to 2003, it would just look like a cheap version of something that's already happening something that's already awesome that has fan bases and would probably just get looked over um, again yeah <laughs> so let's just keep it where it is i just want more people to go back and give Actually it a shot watch it yeah yeah give it a shot so uh, now let's kind of segue into quote and react because dominique i got some quotes for you okay so there's this movie it's not the most quotable but there's some it's some in there so the first quote that i have for you alan quartermain to tom sawyer uh would you like to learn to shoot tom sawyer i can already alan quartermain i saw very american fire enough bullets and hope to hit the target that was my That's sean connery oh yeah okay oh dang i am bad at impressions and i feel like mine was better than yours Everyone listening, go back to the beginning and hear my part. Like, I need y'all to comment by Sean Connery's and DM ghost. us who Sean Connery's <laughs> impression was better. <laughs> go ahead and make sure to, to comment and DM us that information. <laughs> but um, so with that, love that. Yes, you know what America's known for? Their guns. Boom, boom, boom. That had no, you know, that's not a problem at all today. Um, And also that idea... I think yeah. it's also so one thing that I did like, um, I know you're giving the quotes to me, but I remembered quotes myself. And I want to say um, something they talked about was how automatic rifles, uh, automatic rifles are 
unsporting and unsportsmanlike, and they are the weapons of cowards. And I'm just going to say that, you know, this isn't a political podcast, but I'm just going to say Sean Connery said it. That's the man's man. And if he said it, you know, it's true. You know, you won't listen to us. Listen to Sean Connery. It's the weapons coward. I mean, the coward's coward's weapon. (laughs) So it is the coward's weapon. Listen to Sean Connery. Down with automatic rifles. (laughs) Totally. The second quote comes from Dorian Gray, who says, I've lived long enough to see the future become history. Empires crumble. There are no exceptions. Love that. And as a like many, 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 many tiny history buff, I definitely agree. And it's one of the things that I love with them picking these characters, because all of these characters are from the early... um, 19th century late 1800s um it's it's a beautiful thing to see them transition into this semi like turn of the century moment um and still like have their like you know people are what we are and we really don't change and, oh, and like yeah. for good and bad and that goes back with like shout out to alan moore mm-hmm. with his uh Puts. disappointment in humanity yeah because uh hey <laughs> that's yeah but um i did want to slide into one thing real quick on that note as well which was that um i they're re-watching the film something that kind of stood out to me was realizing like oh damn like yeah all of these characters and these are characters who are in books that i genuinely love um came out like you said late 18 century into the 19th century uh that turn of the century then and it was just sort of fascinating this film right after the turn of the 19th century uh or into the 21st century uh where it's like wow like we're still talking about these books and a lot of these characters were at a time where where you know history was still being written about and and sort of felt like uh, you can you can visualize it like these there were places that were so very much real and in the consciousness. Uh, so to see it kind of playing out, and then that quote with Dorian Gray, it just kind of again puts it back into that spectrum of like, yeah, as much as humankind wants to build and erect countries or kingdoms or empires it's like it's all for what like history kind of takes things over and yet still you have these sort of echoes of heroes whether it's these heroes whether it's the avengers now whether it's going to be something else in the future like you we 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 gravitate towards these stories i'd say that and then it goes back to like what i was saying earlier like teacher friends people with children maybe show this maybe this is a uh intro to you know, the evils of capitalism and yeah. the beware of fascism. Like, it, have it, use it, a, it can, it could be a fun conversation starter mm-hmm. is what I think. I for, think future book nerds or book, like young kid book nerds right now, yeah, this like, is like a good movie for them. And a good introduction to some of these classics. Because I'm going to say, um, though I know of these characters, their actual works are not some of my favorites. Sure. Like... I, you know, I I gave my shout out to Dorian Gray for, you know, uh, fighting by Erasure. But um, like, I do not like his story, like, mm-hmm. or I like his story and reading the summary <clears throat> of it, but I do not like the work. I like the work. I, 
I do not like I actually I don't like a lot of Oscar Wilde's work, but, you know, he's important for all of the reasons he's important. Sure. But <laughs> I do not actually like reading his work. And there are some people who like the original like Bram Stoker Dracula is it's cloggy to read. So what this could be is a good, fun introduction to the characters to get kids to go and read these clunky works because mm. now compared to modern writing they do feel clunky so i think it could be like an inspiration mm. to to go read uh these classics mm. so. totally so for this film the league of extra extraordinary gentlemen uh what or who would you put on the pedestal is it a director is it a particular actor a particular scene what one wins the movie for you and really kind of puts it over the top oh uh, so like what because i love this movie like but picking like a thing that's good about it like there's just so many scenes like the scene where tom sawyer finally is a good shot and kills the guy running away like Love that. The scene where <laughs> Mina rips off <laughs> Dorian Gray's shirt. <laughs> like, or like his shirt gets shot through and for some reason it just needs to be, get, it needs to get ripped off you, so that yeah. you can see him heal. Yeah. Like, or Mina and Gray's fight is what I meant. Like where you're watching both of them heal and fight each other. Like, Yeah, they're having fight virtual sex. sex. Yeah. yeah. Like, and love that, you know, this is, <laughs> it's an important movie for an adolescent. <laughs> no, for sure. Actually, I was thinking about that. <laughs> totally. Totally. Because I this feel is like, you know, um, it was like another realm of the mummy where you're just kind of like yeah. attracted to everyone. No, I, that's a good call. Like, I think it's you're one like, of those it's movies. Like, do I have a daddy kink? I don't know. Well, Sean Connery is okay. And uh, oh, like they're having like Stuart a father Townsend, son moment, yeah. but I'm very much attracted to both of them. And Stuart Townsend, for those who don't know, also played Lestat in the uh, Queen of the Dam film. And like, for some reason, I think because that movie really bombed hard and then this movie bombed hard, he never kind of met, met like that star making position that, yeah, that his, some people he have fired his agent and then didn't know how to get another one yeah <laughs> there, there, but there's a whole corner of the internet and like just the world the world where that just wants to bone like Stuart um townsend um if i have to put something on a pedestal i'm gonna actually put the director i think I'm I'm sorry this was your last film. No, because like rewatching it, it moves like and I didn't know that he directed Blade, which going oh. back to the very beginning, um a seminal action film that along with The Matrix, I think changed the way action movies looked and felt for the next 30 years. Um this film I honestly think is an underrated uh, influential moment. Influential film that mm -hmm. other especially team-based uh action comic superhero collection films kind of bite from like there were scenes in this film where i'm like man like i this is just like the avengers and this is just like the incredible hulk or this is just like something from captain america winter soldier um mm -hmm. and and so i i i don't want to say that they completely rip it off, but this this definitely it's clearly created, a moment of inspiration for these other uh, writers. It's kind of like a blueprint that was horrible, 
Like, not, no, no, I love Horrible? it. Horrible? No, no, I'm saying for the people who don't like it, like. This uh, is a podcast, so I just need to everyone to know that I just gasped and looked at him, gasp. like, incredulously, because horrible? Well, no, no, I mean, the blueprint is horrible. Like, the idea, the execution and everything, I think, came together. I think the idea, I think this, is, again, was a studio movie that they just really were like, we got to get in on this. Mm. Put some money behind and go. And f- I think he built up something that was genuinely good. I think everyone, this is also a, a movie where the actors are playing it real, which even in yes. some of the X-Men movies, there's that sort of bit of camp. <laughs> yes. And th- th- this doesn't have that. Like this kind of is much like Guardians of the Galaxy where it's like they have jokes and there's fun. There's, uh, there's but fun they're not times making fun of, of the themselves movie or, or the or fact themselves. that it's a comic. Yeah. And like that still holds true. And I think that and that's the same thing that happens with Blade. And I think that's really what comes through. So I'm going to put the director on the platform. Shout out to him. Pedestal. Pedestal. Yep. Love him. Shout out Stephen Norrington. Yeah. Stephen Norrington because he's British. That's probably Stephen. But yes, yeah, so now we're gonna wrap it up. Thank you y'all. heard us talk about it. Um, drop some comments. We have our uh, Instagram, Instagram, which is underrated favorites pod. Find us on IG. Follow us. Drop a comment if there's a moment that's on a pedestal for you that we didn't mention, or if you love this movie, or if you hate this movie. Or if you want to bone Sean Connery, Stuart Townsend, or Peter Jensen, because that's out there. That is out there as well. But um, if you have not seen the movie yet and you just listen to the podcast anyway, I think you should go see it for yourself. It's streaming right now on Hulu. That's right. Coming soon on video and DVD. (laughs) Next week, we will be watching... We're going to switch it back and go with horror. We are watching one of Rooster's favorites. Damn right. 13 Ghosts. That's right. That's right. So is it an underrated favorite or certified flop or somewhere in between? And does someone on this pod secretly hate that movie? Um, Let's find out. Ah, not secretly hate. Let's see if uh, the other co-host is going to be able to stay awake watching it this time. Um, (laughs) So until then. Stay tuned and find out. (laughs) Next week. Thank y'all again for tuning in to Underrated Favorites. This is a Gemini's production. I am me. I'm Roost. And we will see you next. Next week. Thursday. Peace. Bye.